My name is David. I've run my own businesses for over 35 years. Unemployment and underemployment in the blind community is a huge problem. From I Can't See You, this is Blind Bosses, focusing on the people of the blind community who are getting the job done. Hello there, and welcome to Blind Bosses, presented by I Can't See You. Blind Bosses is a very different podcast than my normal I Can't See You podcast. In Blind Bosses, I hope to showcase and focus on folks within the blind community who are getting the job done. Now, when I first came up with the idea, I was only going to do blind folks who ran their own businesses. And I thought that might be difficult to get a lot of people week in and week out, ha ha ha. And I'm laughing because I haven't been able to do week in and week out. I want to focus on folks who are getting the job done within their field, whether they're a business owner, a lawyer, or a doctor, any of those folks I want to have on to show blind folks and to show the sighted world that just because someone is blind or visually impaired, it doesn't mean they can't get the job done. In today's first episode, I talked to Aaron Spelker from Mobile Accessible Games. And what Aaron found when he first lost his sight, and you've got to listen to that story because it was a very freak incident that caused him to lose his sight. What he found was that there weren't video game reviews for these accessible games. There was a list of accessible games, but no reviews. So let's get to Aaron Spelker, from Mobile Accessible Games. Aaron, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. So before we get into the game reviews, what I'd love to find out is what happened? What's your vision loss journey? What happened one day you saw, then you had some sort of accident? Is that what I understand? Yes, yeah, yeah. So my my vision story is I was a sighted person uh, for all my life. Uh, up until three years ago, and I had, um, you know, what I call an accident, but uh, it's, it's kind of a freak thing. I was um, down in Cancun with my wife for our 20-year wedding anniversary, and on one of the first days, we went down to the beach, and a big gust of wind blew sand all up into my face and into my eyes, and, um, you know, my eyes were kind of, like, scratched and irritated for the rest of the vacation, but I guess it had introduced a very strong bacteria into my eyes, and so by the time I got back to the United States, I had a massive uh, infection in both of my eyes. And I ended up uh, here in Boston at, a, at the hospital, uh, Tufts Medical Hospital, for three and a half weeks as they tried to uh, fight off the infection and you know, save the eyes because they didn't know if it was going to kind of you know, move the, the, the infection, move beyond the eyes. Uh, if that, it looked like that, they were going to have to remove my eyeballs. Um, but they were able to, after three and a half weeks, fight off the infection. But uh, by that time, just pretty much everything in my eyes was either damaged by the infection or damaged by the medicine that fought the infection. So I came out, you know, went in uh, fully sighted and came out uh, with light perception is pretty much what I have now. Wow. That uh, as someone who is hoping to one day live near a beach, that kind of that kind of scares me off a little bit. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel better, uh, two years later, me and my wife and my two kids went back to Cancun to the beach uh, and had a very nice family vacation. So, uh, you know, Cancun was great. Uh, okay. The, the sand in the eyes not so great, but uh, <laughs> okay. Cancun itself was a, a great time. So. I would say that's a pretty freak incident when you say, yes, I mean, is that yes. it doesn't happen a lot. Uh, yeah. Freak accident, freak incident. Yeah. It's, it's a one in a million shot. So, um, 
Yeah. So it's very, very uh, interesting to um, so suddenly go from, you know, sighted working to blind and what the heck do I do with my life? What just happened to me? Um, right. It was a very shocking uh, set of events. And what kind of work did you do before that, before that incident? Yeah, I, I owned a, um, uh, uh, well, I owned and then co-owned a uh, financial services company. So we helped other uh, corporations set up their retirement plans, like their pension plans, okay. 401k, 403b plans, and then work with employees on their retirement planning and strategy. Um, so I, I had that business uh, up until my accident. And then um, with the accident, I sold my half of the business to my partner and um, you know then kind of figured out what am I doing now as a blind person. So um, that's been my exploration for the last three years is kind of uh, moving from a sighted world to uh, a blind world. And um, it's been interesting. And it's, I, I would say it's gone smoother um, probably after the first year where I decided to accept that I am blind and, uh, you know, kind of more engaged with a, a, a blind world and the blind resources and the blind technology um, as opposed to holding on to, uh, you know, oh, this used to be so easy, easy when I was sighted, you know, kind of mentality. Right. Um, so, but, you know, it took a little while. It took a little processing there. And, the, in the, you know, definitely the first three to five months was pretty rough. And then after that, it eased up some. And now it's, you know, this is just my new reality. And it's, you know, just life in a different way. Right. And that's that seems to be one of the things that happens to folks who are, are sighted for their during their life and then all of a sudden there's a shocking difference like that i know uh some of my friends have had issues where they've gone and just spent a year just you know being depressed and not wanting to do anything and not knowing what to do so after that time so what did you do did you go and get services did you go and learn any kind of uh you had mentioned assistive technology did you learn jaws or voiceover yeah yeah um yeah what i mean kind of what pulled me out of my funk so i i in my preparation to go off to do training so they have a, a place called the carroll center for the blind in massachusetts where they do technology training and they also do um uh like residential living you know where you actually like live there for six months and they teach you okay. how to do everything okay um so in preparation for a kind of intensive tech class, that was like a two-week tech, tech, tech class, um, I had a individual from the IT department of the Mass Commission for the Blind you know, come to my house and he loaded JAWS onto my computer. And, you know, and kind of going through that and setting it all up, I, I realized that the guy that I that was doing all that for me was visually impaired in some way. And I, I kind of got in a conversation with him. So this is, you know, just three or four months after I was blind. Um, and I got a conversation with him and you know, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I can tell you're visually impaired, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, how much vision do you have to be able to like go on the internet and download these, you know, software and you know, load profiles on my computer. And he said he was born blind. He's never seen anything, uh, not even light perception. And so I, that was kind of like the turn for me where I said, you know, this guy's able to do it. You know, he's been able to never seen anything. He's, you know, working a computer and you know, holding down a job. And, um, you know, I should kind of, you know, get off the couch and, you know, start exploring, uh, you know, how to navigate in this new world. And, um, you know, the next kind of step I took, because the, the training wasn't for a couple months after that, um, when he loaded on my computer, he showed me, okay, you know, here's how you do Word and here's how you surf the internet. And I had, um, kind of started on the side just for fun um 
a concept for a book idea that I had that I had thought up like about five years earlier. So I decided to sit down in the months following and start writing that book, which taught me how to use JAWS and taught me how to surf the internet for research and stuff like that. And so I spent the rest of uh, 2019, the year I went blind, writing a book, uh, which I ended up uh, you know, pu- self-publishing and releasing, um, which just gave me a real sense of accomplishment. You know, like at the end, I was like, oh, look, I, I, I was blind and I accomplished writing a 436-page book uh, you know, that, I, that I'm really happy with. So, uh, you know, that kind of helped me um, really launch off in a, a really more positive frame of mind than kind of where I started 2019, shortly, you know, in February when I had the accident and went blind. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that when someone is blind, whether born blind, and I I guess it's a little bit different if you're born blind or you've lost your vision as a young child, it's a little bit different because you kind of figure it out then. Your parents take you to a place and they say, okay, wait, now you can go to school with these folks and, uh, and you kind of learn all that. But when you're a sighted working adult, it just becomes, you kind of think, hey, I can't do this and I can't do that. But then you go to uh, see others. And and it happened for me when I went and joined the NFB. And we went around the table, one of the first meetings I was at, and everybody said what what they did for work. And one one girl said, hey, I work at the IRS. Another one said, I'm a school teacher of, oh, and I, you know, I said, of blind kids? No, 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 they're they're sighted. <laughs> and I said, okay. And then somebody else went around and one guy worked at a supermarket and 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 I'm thinking, oh, they do all this. Well, then, like you thought when you had the guy come to your house, if that guy can do it, then I obviously have a shot at being able to do it. Right. And yeah. it's not like somebody said, well, you can't be a chemical engineer if you're blind. If you had training, whether you were sighted when you had the training or you you were blind when you had the training for being a chemical engineer, you could still do that, obviously, just in a different way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, first off, you know, in those early days, I didn't know what was available for technology. So I was just like, well, I'll never use a computer again. How do you do that? You know, I didn't even know there was a JAWS um, existence. Um, I did know that there was voiceover on the iPhone okay. um, because I had, I had a couple of years earlier on a train ride home, sat next to a person who was blind and he was doing voiceover on the phone. And I just ended up in a conversation with them. I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, how's that work? And, you know, we talked for the whole train ride home um, from Boston to, to the suburbs where I live, uh, you know, talking about voiceover and, and how it works. And he was kind of just showing it to me. And so when I was in the hospital for the three and a half weeks, I was like, oh, you know, I, re- I remember this. There was that blind guy I met and there was, you know, his phone talked to him. How do you, how do, you do that? And I got, you know, when my wife was visiting, we figured out how to turn it on. And then I just spent three and a half weeks while I was sitting in the hospital, uh, you know, just flicking my finger in different directions until stuff happened on my phone <laughs> and, and kind of self-taught myself over those you know three and a half weeks. So, I mean, by the end I was answering work emails, I was watching Netflix. I was, you know, you know, doing all, doing all the stuff that I could do today. Um, just out of necess- necessity and boredom uh, sitting around in the hospital for three right. weeks. Well, it's, it's great that you found that while you were there, because obviously that's something that uh, uh, you're not really doing anything else. And so right. were you able to get the audio description to work on the Netflix when you, when you got that on? Yep. Yep. Uh, awesome. yeah. Figured out how to do that. And, okay. um, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, so the, the nature of the, um, infection that I had, they had to give me topical steroids and antibiotics every hour, 24 hours a day for three and oh a half my weeks. God. <laughs> and so there was never a time that I was asleep more than 59 minutes. 
Um, and so I was awake for a lot of time and, you know, and awake a lot of random times, you know, three in the morning, I'm suddenly awake right. because they just woke me up to put this medicine in. So yeah, I just, you know, just spent a lot of time figuring out and you know, <laughs> came out of the hospital pretty adept. I mean, I've learned tricks since then meeting other blind people and they're like, Oh, did you know you can just four finger tap at the top of the screen and it takes you right up to the top. I'm like, Oh no, I had no idea. All right. Excellent. <laughs> uh, I just kept, you know, three fingers swiping, you know, over and over and over again until I got to the top, you know? Um, right. So, so there's some stuff that people showed me that has made things smoother and easier um, since I left there. But um, you know, I was, I was doing pretty well uh, while I was doing it on my own in the hospital. Right. And I think that's, again, like you were saying, when, when you get around other folks, uh, everybody comes from a different background, but when you have that shared experience, the the blind folks uh, being with other blind people, sometimes blind when when somebody goes blind, they may have never ever even encountered another blind person right. up until the time they've lost their vision, and uh, it's it's just something that uh, that you know they're like, wow, okay, now I now I see how you do that, and that's one thing on the other podcast that I do, White Canes Connect. We always ask for people if you have tips or tricks, because sometimes somebody might do something that no one else has thought, hey, I, I could try that. And right. then it work. And Oh, yeah. The, the, the amount that I learned, so I, I did my second year or so being blind. I went back to the Carroll Center for like an advanced um, computer class. So uh, the okay. first one I went was like a two-week crash course. Okay. And then I went back for some advanced training and uh, centered around web accessibility, but, you know, it was a lot more intense, uh, you know, working on um, all aspects of Excel and word and internet and things like that. But um, I was in that class, that seven week class with a bunch of professionals. So okay. these were blind people who were holding down jobs, you know, at the state or, you know, were lawyers or, you know, worked for, you know, the, the, uh, uh, barred and things like that. So, you know, real professionals knew what they were doing. Well, well-versed, uh, you know, blind, most, most of them through life. But the amount that I learned over the seven week class from the class was about equal to what I learned just from those other students who were in there who were like, you know, do you know about this? Do you know about that? You know, and, and, you know, just took me up to all sorts of things that I wasn't aware of, you know, like bookshare, you know, I know, Oh, I can do bookshare. I can do barred. I, I had no idea. Okay. That's great. You know, and, just so many things that they tuned me into um, that just have made my life just, you know, more enriching and and easier um, and just from the tips and tricks that they've given me uh, through the course of that uh, seven weeks that we were together. Yeah. And just for listeners who may not know, Bard and Bookshare are a way to get books. Uh, sometimes they're audio books. Sometimes it's just text to speech, but enables folks like us to enable us to read books uh that otherwise we that may not be available as an audiobook yet uh it just makes again like Aaron said just makes life a lot easier and allows us to just do more uh yeah, with and if you done. show your legal blindness um every, all of it's for free to you as well so right yeah i, I think it i kind of think it depends state by state but i know it's it's free for me here in Pennsylvania and yeah, free uh, for me in Massachusetts yeah and i know New York is sa the same way you really took it a lot quicker, it seems. And and when I read the story about you've only been blind about three three plus years, uh, you've advanced a lot further than a lot of people have. Sometimes it takes a, a person, like I said earlier, you know, they spend a year just trying to figure out, hey, what am I going to do? It's this is all bad. Uh, my life is over, and so right. forth and so on. So you kind of really got going, and uh, you know that is really commendable. So I, I don't do well being idle. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do not. I mean, that, and that's actually. I mean, I, I do 
put a lot on it of, you know, in the beginning, you know, that first year, I didn't really know how to do much, but, uh, you know, I knew enough to, after um, the person from the Mass Commission for the Blind, I knew enough to work in Word. And so th- that allowed me to like four to six hours a day, I just spent writing the book that I wrote, um, which really just kept me from being idle and kept me from, you know, thinking about, you know, being sad or depressed about it. And just, you know, each day, like, well, I wrote a chapter today, or I, you know, got this scene out that I was struggling with, you know, like, it was always like every day was a a little bit of accomplishment that I could be, you know, positive about, as opposed to the other way around. And while we're talking about the book again, tell me the name of it. Uh, Yeah, so it's called The Bubonic Reorder. It is a, ironically, a story that I wrote in 2019, which was about a global SARS pandemic that strikes (laughs) in the year 2020. Uh, so, so maybe uh, it wasn't in China or any place else that this, maybe you actually either, you yeah, either I, saw I, it I, coming I, or you developed it. Well, it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, so I, I told you, I came up with the idea about five years earlier. And so in 2014, I had come up with the idea. I'd spent like five years just kind of in free time working on it and thinking about scenes and outlining some stuff and doing a lot of research. And, you know, the research really led to me of, you know, when a, pandemic happens this is how it's going to happen which was very much how COVID-19 happened and it's most likely going to be one of these viruses and the top of the list was SARS so you know the story that I wrote that you know I finished about three months before COVID hit um, was not me being Nostradamus and just you know picking it out of nowhere it's just through a lot of research and the scientists just saying uh, a global pandemic is going to happen it's going to happen like this it's most likely going to come from this location and it's most likely going to be one of these three diseases. And, you know, oh. they, they spelled it out and knew about it, you know, in research papers, I was reading five, you know, five, three, five years before COVID ever happened. So, wow. um, you know, I don't think too many people who uh, were scientists in that field were all that surprised, you know? Right. Knowing sooner or later, something was going to come along. So where is the book available? Um, it's, on uh, on Amazon, you can get the print version as well as electronic version, uh, Barnes and Noble. I think it's on some other sites. Like I think I saw okay. it out on target. Um, I also donated it to bookshare. Um, so if you have a bookshare account, you can go download it for free. Uh, that's my little give back to the blind <laughs> community. And, uh, I am in hopes, uh, uh, there's a big backlog at the Bard recording studio, um, I'm hoping that one day it will be turned into a barred audio book, but I know okay. they're way behind because of COVID. Okay. Yeah. And I will link to the Amazon version, uh, that oh, or it, it, on the, uh, in the show notes. So if you want to, you want to check it out, it'll be linked below. And again, that'll be an affiliate link. So if you do buy it, uh, Aaron, thanks you. And I thank you as well. Leave a review too. Very important. Uh, you know, even if you feel free to, if you have a bookshare account, download it for free. Uh, you know, I'd love for you to even have it for free. Um, but please, uh, if you can go to Amazon and leave a review, uh, reviews are very, very important. So the more reviews you have, the more uh, views it shows up on other, you know, if you like this book, you might like this book. So right. uh, please, please take the time to review. That's always very helpful. The main reason while why you're here is one of the things that you do or the main thing that you do right now is review video games, accessible video games. Uh, that are available on mobile devices. And what led you to start doing that? Yeah, I mean, so in those early days, while I sat um, sad and depressed, um, you know, I was looking for a distraction. And all my life as a sighted person, you know, a, a distraction would be, you know, sit down and play a video game, get lost in a 
you know, a, a, a Fallout or a Skyrim, you know, on the PlayStation or Xbox. And, you know, that, that would be kind of my dis- distraction thing that I did. So when I went blind, I was like, all right, well, what games are there available for blind people? And uh, I kind of struggled uh, at first trying to find, you know, I just kind of thought there would be a master list. You go to the internet, you know, and, you know, here's the list of all the games that are accessible on the iPhone for blind people, or here's a category you can filter on. And I, I really wasn't finding that. Um, I eventually kind of stumbled on Applevis, which is great. It has a, a list of a lot of games. Uh, the issue was it wasn't really telling me much about that game. So it would say, here's the game. It is accessible. You know, maybe if you read some of the comments, you'd see what some people mentioned about it. But it wasn't like a full game review about the game. What is it? Is it fun? Here's where, you know, it, it does well or doesn't doesn't do well on accessibility. Um, so I wasn't finding a master list of accessible game reviews of accessible games for mobile phones. And after, you know, kind of grumbling to myself over several weeks of, I can't believe there's, you know, this list doesn't exist. Where is this list? Why can't I find this list? I, I finally said, well, maybe I should be the one who starts creating this list. And so uh, that's what I started doing. I started, you know, playing a game and reviewing it. And at first just started posting it out on to, uh, you know, blind support groups out on Facebook and um, then I decided, well, you know what, maybe I'll just make a dedicated Facebook group because, you know, this is going to be the same problem. It's scattered all over the place. How's anyone going to find these game reviews? Let me create a Facebook group where there's one spot people can go. They can see all the reviews. It'll be easy for them to find. So that's when I started my group, which is currently called Mobile Accessible Games. And it is on Facebook as a Facebook group. Um, and then I also have a Twitter account. and uh, and. Uh, I do YouTube videos um, where uh, it's kind of connected that where I interview game developers as well as accessibility influencers and advocates around uh, the state of mobile accessible gaming. And that's uh, my YouTube group. And as we were talking before we hit record, I think that's one thing where the blind community kind of suffers. We're just happy if somebody has a list of, hey, these are the websites that are accessible or these are the um apps that are accessible and once you have that list it doesn't matter and, and nobody cares what hey it's accessible i can go do it uh you took it a step further by doing the reviews so again bringing the whole thing back to uh fitting in more with the sighted community where not only do they see hey these games are available but here are some reviews now the blind community has it as well and I just think it's an outstanding idea. The other thing along with that too is, you know, and I understand this mentality, you know, a lot of the blind community, you know, like playing free games because many games aren't accessible. So I don't want to go pay for a game to find out I just can't play it, right? So I'm taking the bullet for them and I'll pay for a game that I think is accessible and I will play it and, you know, then give a review on its accessibility. So if you see a game that I've reviewed of the 110 games so far that I've reviewed, um, you know that that's a game that you can play. Uh, it might cost you money, but at least you're not uh, you know, spending money to find out, it wasn't accessible, I just wasted $5 of my hard-earned money. Um, you know if you've picked a game off my list, uh, that that was a game that was accessible and you can play. Do other folks come in and say, hey, I've checked this game out, and then you go take a look at it? Do you ever get uh, community input like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I try to source games from wherever I can find them. So I'm constantly scouring the internet. I am looking at Applevis. um, And then people do come in and say, oh, I just uh, found this game. It uh, it seems like it's pretty accessible. And um, 
I will add that to my list of, you know, here's, you know, I have, I have a very long list of games that uh, I try to get through. Um, so that those ones that people mentioned, I throw up on the list and then, you know, eventually get around to it and, and review it. And then if it seems to be getting a lot of traction in the group, like people are starting to talk a lot about some game that I haven't played, um, you know, I might move it up on the list to review it sooner rather than later because people seem to be talking about it. So let me let them know what I think of it and, and all the, you know, testing that i've done about it uh, around accessibility okay and how about with games you see a game and you say oh, i'm not really into that type of game but you still review it anyway is that does that make it more difficult when you do it or do you not really do one um, yeah i mean it, it is it's different um so i don't play games just for fun like i would if i was just doing it for myself right um i kind of right from the beginning said look I like certain type of games, but I know other people like other types of games that maybe are not my cup of tea per se, but I am going to make sure that I find games that are accessible in that genre and I'm going to be sure to play them. And I'm going to be as, you know, put myself in the foot of somebody who, you know, this is their type of game. Would they enjoy this? Is it accessible? Where, where does it have shortcomings and here, here's how you get around it. So um, I think I have over 20 different game genres, you know, from, you know, role-playing games to board games to car games to first-person shooters to strategy games, you know, to real-time strategy games, uh, to business simulation games. I mean, just a, a whole gambit of different types. I think there's twenty over 20 types now. Uh, and I'm always excited to find something that is in a genre I haven't reviewed before because uh, that just means, you know, there's somebody out there who is looking for that type of game. And now I've given them an accessible version that they can play um, and, and let them know about it. So um, I'm, I'll play anything in any genre and uh, try to give it a, a fair shake, whether it's, you know, a game I would gravitate, gravitate to on my own or not. Has it ever felt like a job, though, for you as you re as you review the games? Because you, it's not, again, might not be your cup of tea, like you say. Uh, does that make it more difficult to get excited to do it? Or are you excited to do it because you know a lot of folks are going to see it and uh, see the review and and say, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to try that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it, uh, as you exactly stated, it's a little shift of perspective, right? It, it is there a lot more of the joy of I'm reviewing this game and I'm going to put it out there and someone's going to find it and say, uh, you know, this is my favorite game. And and I've been noticing that in the voting where some people have voted for, oh, this is my game of the year. I'm like that one. Oh my gosh, okay, uh, that's not anywhere close to what I would have picked. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it, it takes all types of people to make the world go around. It, so. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of excitement uh, from that standpoint. Um, there is um, where, you know, there's, there's games that I eventually like, Oh, I'm really enjoying this, but I, I kind of have to move on. I got to let this one go because I have three other games that I have to review, you know, to keep on pace to, you know, put out one a week, which is what I try to do. Um, so, you know, you kind of don't, uh, you kind of have to let a game that you think is great. Like Swarty Quest, I thought it was a great game. If I wasn't doing this, I'd probably just still be playing it, but I just don't have time to uh, put in something that's so time consuming on a game like that. You know, that that's a type of game that, uh, you know, you really got to play over a course of months to really see all the parts and then write a good review about it. So it takes a lot of time. And okay. now that I've moved that off, I've replaced that with another game that I'm playing that you know, took several months to play. Um, and then, you know, there's other ones that I can, you know, play over the course of a week or two and get through it. There's some that you can play in. You know, three days and you know kind of see everything that you need to see to be able to write a review so i i constantly have three or four games going now at the same time okay um, and uh, i'm also 
Um, so I take off the month of December from writing new reviews, or, or I should say, re- releasing new reviews. And December is a big month where I kind of get caught back up, um, where you know I'll have twenty game reviews ready to release. Um, you know, starting January first, so I have like the first twenty weeks of the year kind of covered okay. already, and then I could spend that twenty weeks reviewing the next you know fifteen or twenty games. So by by the time I get to December, I'm just about out of games, okay. um, you know, uh, and have nothing, you know, no reserve. Um, but I I spend December really trying to plow through a lot of games to get stocked back up, and uh, that's usually great. I mean, sometimes it comes back and bites me because sometimes you know. You, review a game in December and you're like, all right, I'm going to release this on March 1st. And then you go to release it on March 1st and the game's been removed from the app store. Oh. And so you spent a lot of time, you know, playing right. the game or reviewing it. And now it's not there and available for people. So that's kind of a, a thing that I save for December is here's the games that I reviewed that you never got to see, you know, that, that, uh, so it's kind of like the, you know, uh, what they get in December is, you know, what could have been if I had gotten this review out a little quicker uh, before, <laughs> before it got pulled out, pulled from the store. So. And when you're playing the games, are you taking notes? Or are you just kind of making mental notes? How, how do you handle that? Um, right. it, it's kind of both, it, uh, you know, if I'm just at my home, um, I try to sit in my office at my computer so that I can jot down notes kind of as I go. Um, you know, like if you're playing something that's really story driven, you're like, oh, I gotta kind of, this is a main character. I gotta know what his name is, how to spell it. Let me write that down in the, you know, some, some bullet points, uh, as I start to develop the review, uh, you know, but other times I'm just, you know, out at a doctor's office and I'll be playing and, you know, I'll just come back later and, you know, fill it out. Um, but I, I probably always try to start sitting at my computer because there's, things at the beginning that you want to get jotted down, you know, cause you might not see them again. You know what I mean? Okay. Right, right, right. Um, so I try not to uh, do that where like, Oh, what happened at the beginning of the story? I forget. Uh, I should have written that down. So I've kind of learned to start sitting at the computer and jotting down notes. Okay. And so I'm guessing some games you're playing the, the ones that you're saying you're playing for months. I'm guessing you're playing hours and hours and hours of a game like that. Yeah. But some games that you only play a couple of weeks, is it an hour or two a day? How 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 many hours a day are you, are you playing games, do you think? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um probably four hours, I would say. I was playing um this game that I'm gonna be uh, dropping at the beginning of January. Um that game alone, a big game. I mean, I played it for six or seven months. Um and really, uh, you know, to be able to unlock everything that's available in the game, um, I was playing that alone about two hours a day, um, and then I played other games in between. Um, you know, uh, to you know those one week games, those games that you can play over you know th- three days, you know, and, and do it. So, yeah, probably, you know, minimum two, problem probably maximum four hours okay. a day. Okay, and you told me what you did before the incident. Do you have a day job now? Um, so not quite. I will um, actually be starting uh, in January doing some uh, volunteer work for uh, the Mass Commission for the Blind, doing um, uh, uh, accessibility training of new people who are blind uh, on how to use the iPhone. Okay. So I'll be, I'll be doing that a couple days a week um, starting in January. That's uh, kind of a part-time job if you will but it's actually right. volunteer. i'm volunteering to do it right that's it seems like <laughs> it seems like there's plenty of uh, volunteer positions available for things like that uh i know within 
uh, my area here, uh, a lot of stuff like that going on where you always, always able to help folks out. And, and that's the, you're not getting paid in money, but you're getting paid in the satisfaction of helping somebody uh, hopefully come from a dark place, uh, both literally and figuratively, um, and helping them see that, Hey, life isn't, <laughs> life isn't over because you can't see anymore. Right, um, exactly. and yeah. you know, and, and it's helpful. So, all right. So tell me, you've got a YouTube channel. The people that you're interviewing are the developers Are these folks also blind or are they just developers and thought, Hey, you know, it'd be nice if we could have blind folks be able to play too. So let's make it accessible. How, how does that usually break down? Yeah, it, it, it's actually both. Um, what so the the interview series that I started um, I started probably about a year after um, I started the group and it, it really came out of as I was doing reviews I was reaching out to to developers and being uh, you know oh I have this question you know this isn't accessible am I just doing something wrong you know, right writing a review can you give me some more information or um, you know I was just you know over the course of the the first year just asking a lot of questions to game developers. And that ended up to some interesting exchanges, you know, over email or, you know, even on the, you know, they would give me a call and we would talk on the phone. I was like, these are really fascinating conversations, like, but I'm the only one who's getting to hear them. So I decided to turn those into starting to interview the developers formally. Um, I started kind of print interviews where I, I sent them a series of questions and they answered them. And then I turned that uh, to do um, actually YouTube video um, interviews with them. Uh, to kind of bring the conversation around accessibility and what does it take to make an accessible game uh, to the blind community and also to kind of, um, you know, humanize, I guess, you know, that, that it's not this big corporation who's creating your favorite game. It's usually, you know, one or two people who are spending, you know, from nine o'clock to one in the morning after they put their kids to bed after their full-time job, you know, trying to create this game for you and add, add in the accessibility and, make it so that everybody can play. And so I wanted to make sure that people understood that, you know, there's a real life person behind this and they're working really hard and, you know, let's encourage, you know, if you do like their game, make sure to review it, make sure to be willing to pay for it um, because that helps them create the next game that you're going to love playing. So I wanted to, um, you know, get that kind of connection between the community and the actual game developer started. And then um, through that course, eventually I started meeting other people like myself who were doing, um, some sort of game accessibility or advocacy. And uh, I started interviewing them as well about, you know, their YouTube channels and their channel that's doing, you know, blind accessibility walkthroughs of, of various games or, you know, their, you know, some advocate who's gone to the game accessibility conference and has, you know, led a panel about uh, accessible gaming. You know, I wanted to talk to those people. So, um, you know, and again, all to just kind of bring information, and insight, you know, to the, blind or visually impaired gamer around what is happening in the state of accessible gaming and, and what work people are putting in on their behalf and, and make sure that they were informed and educated about that. Okay. And that's, and, and I'm guessing that's what you mean with the influencers as far as the other folks that are, uh, that are doing uh, YouTube. Uh, yeah. YouTubes and podcasts and things like that. When you are doing all this, so you have only light perception. Do you, I'm assuming you're using the camera on your computer to right. do the video. Is that okay? Yep. And awesome. okay. And uh, do you have somebody take a look to make sure, Hey, you only see your chin and your chest or uh, you've got it kind of set. It's not, not something that could really change that much. Um, 
I, I hope I, I so I have it positioned and hopefully I'm in uh, camera. Uh, my cleaners do come through and sometimes jostle <laughs> it around and I try to put it back. Right. Okay. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the top of my head is cut off or, you know, or the bottom of my mouth is cut off. But okay. uh, my, my, uh, my community, I think, is mostly uh, visually impaired, so hopefully they don't mind too much. Right. But I always say, as opposed to just having it, you know, the camera off and you know it just being a black screen that they're looking at, I at least throw myself up there. So at least if there is somebody who's sighted, they, at least they get to look at something. It's just you doing all this, is that correct? No one else. You don't have a virtual yeah, no, assistant no, no, or no. an actual assistant. Just no, yeah, it's just me. You know, like I said, this is um, very much a you know hobby, if you will, for me. You know to um, you know, just put it out there. Give me something to do. Give me something positive, something I can give back. Again, a thing, you know, I, I think gaming is a great way to distract your mind and give you joy. And, you know, uh, I want people to realize that, you know, there's more than just uh, text adventure games and dice world for them to play, <laughs> you know, uh, which are great games, but uh, you know, there, there's more out there. There's a whole bunch of different types of games. So I really want to expose people to uh, a whole genre and a whole, uh, variety of games that are out there and available to them. And it's just kind of, I look at it as my way of, you know, giving back and okay. making it just that much easier for, you know, the, the, the Aaron who suffers some freak accident and, and finds themselves in the exact same position I am. Uh, I want that to be easy for them. Would you consider if, if you could make it a business, would you make it a bit a business? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have, um, I'd rather just kind of do it for free for people, you know, okay. the monetizing seems like a, a lot of work and, okay. you know, cause it uh, just said when I, when I was looking at everything over the last few days, I'm thinking, Oh, if he had a website and he then built a mailing list and with affiliate marketing and, and everything else, um, you know, so much could be done. And, uh, again, it really wouldn't be unless somebody bought something through an affiliate link, you're not charging folks for it. And obviously there's, there's paid routes that way as well. Right. Um, but, you know, I just saw so much potential for it. And again, growing your Facebook group up to uh, 1,700 or so folks in a fairly short amount of time, I think it's it's just something. Um, and, and I got to be honest with you, when you first approached me and I saw that you had this Facebook group, I'm like, oh, he doesn't have a website it doesn't look like. And what if Facebook went away? What if, or they, for whatever reason, they shut you down. You somebody said something funny, or somebody said you said something funny, or whatever. Or somebody you you wrote a review for a game, and the game company said nah, we don't agree with that, and uh, went to Facebook and said this is wrong, and shut him down. And uh, then what would happen? Uh, you you kind of lose your community. Whereas if you had the website and you had the mailing list, at least you'd still be able to. Uh, you know, talk to folks and contact folks and, and be in contact with them. So just some things that I, that I had thought of as, um, as I yeah. also put in the outline. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have thought of that as well. Uh, again, it gets kind of into uh, how easy is that? Uh, you know, uh, I'm very into easy <laughs> as you can tell, um, right. you know, cause I want to spend more time on, you know, putting out reviews every week. Like if it was like, Oh, now I'm going to manage a website and that means I can only do a review every other week. You know, I'd rather do a, a re, review every week. You know, I have I have a big Word document that's something like 200 pages now that is just, you know, all the game reviews. So, you know, if I had to switch over to a website, I could, you know, still put out all the all the interviews on there. Um, yeah, and, and the, you know, again, for monetizing things, like like I just, for free, um, write for pocketgamer.com around accessibility. So I have like I think five articles out there 
uh, for them. That's all around, you know, features about blind game developers or, you know, some new accessible game that's coming out that is for the blind community or, um, you know, interviewing the head of the, um, the um, game accessibility conference. So, you know, just, again, I'm all kind of about just sharing, you know, what I've learned with other people so that they find great games and that it's not as hard for them to find all these things okay. like it was for me. So uh, I do it more for the love of it than, you know, looking to make any money off of it. As far as the gaming goes, are are there any games that you've heard about that maybe aren't out yet that you're excited for? Is is there something on the horizon that you're really looking forward to checking out and reviewing or at least playing and then reviewing? Um, yeah, I mean, there's... There's so many games I have you know, recently played that I've really enjoyed. Um, there is um, the, the, ironically, a text adventure game. Usually I kind of steer away from text adventure games because there's so many of them and uh, you know, I want to show people other things. But there is this trilogy um, that is called, uh, the first game is called Sabres of, of Infinity. The second one is Guns of Infinity. And then coming out in March, it's going to be Lords of Infinity, which just is kind of like, um, it, it's text adventure based, but it's it's basically um, you know you being a uh, starting off as a soldier up to you know running a whole army to you know becoming the lord of a of a land, and it's kind of you know living this twenty year life and you know building up a character to to your you know how you've played the game, and it's just a really well written story, really uh, excellent complex world, and uh, I would say that's for me. I'm really kind of interested to see the next installment of, you know, the third installment of that, that particular game series. How about sports games? Are there many accessible sports games? They tend to be more like the sports manager, you know, like you're the the coach uh, okay. or the team owner. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, there's the, one of my favorite games. Um, it, it's, uh, there's only three games that I've given an A plus um, at, at the, at the reviews that I've done. And one of them is a game called football chairman pro which is you are the owner of a soccer team and you start off with, uh, you know, in the lowest league of the uh, UK uh, soccer leagues. And uh, you bring that team, you know, as far as you can, hopefully all the way up to the premier league and winning the championship and you, you know, buy and sell trade uh, players and you, you know, train them up and you have to manage your stadium and your concessions. And, you know, it's just a very kind of complex, um, you know, sports management game in which I, I really, really love. Um, I'm still holding out um, for a great um, simulation game uh, for baseball, which I, I, again, it really just irks me that, you know, here's the sport that is most accessible for the blind community. And yet we don't have a great blind accessible baseball game, um, which just is very frustrating to me. Um, so uh, I'm hoping someone like uh, out of the park baseball who makes an excellent uh, simulation baseball game, uh, but is unfortunately not accessible. I, I hope they eventually hear enough from the community to decide to add accessibility into their game because that is a superb uh, baseball simulation game. And I would love to uh, be able to play that uh, from an accessibility standpoint. And I, I've played that for many, many years as a sighted person and having played a lot of games and thought about accessibility, I, I really don't see a reason why it couldn't be uh, accessible from a structural standpoint, you know, coding standpoint might be a little different on how they built it, but conceptually it should be able to be accessible. Back when I was a kid, I was in high school and, uh, I still had enough vision in my good eye, uh, that 
I was able to play, I don't know if you remember, if you're old enough to remember the handheld electronic games. There was a football game, which were basically, mm-hmm. yeah, basically yeah. like hyphens that you're, you're running. Yeah, 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 yeah. Through. I remember that one. Um, yeah. It was a ha- green, a green, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Little red dots. Yeah. Right, right. The little red, the little, little red dots r- oh, running down the field. Yeah. <laughs> I had a game that was a baseball game that I, in, in May of 1980, I had surgery on my good eye on my left eye and I couldn't see for about a week. Um, whether I could see or not, I was, I had a patch. So, uh, I don't remember if I had vision or if I didn't have vision, but I had a, I had a patch and a shield over it for that time. So I couldn't do anything. And I thought, I asked my mom, I said, Oh, would you bring that baseball game in? And it was a larger, much larger than that Mattel football game. And I want to say this game was by Coleco, but it was awesome because I could play it. It had every time a pitch came, if it was a fastball, it'd go beep, 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 beep. If it was a curveball, you could hear it. It would make a funnier sound as the as the curve was breaking. And so I could hear, I couldn't see what was happening, whether I had a single, double, triple. Homer made a funny sound, so I, that I knew. But uh, I I spent hours playing that, wondering, again, not knowing how many runs I scored, if I won or lost. Uh, but at least I was able to play and hit the ball and, right. um, you know, and carry through with that. And if I remember that one, it was the, the actual console was shaped like a baseball's, uh, field, right. It was kind of like curved at the top. Yeah, it had, it, 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 the screen itself had, it, it was, I kind of think the thing was more like a, uh, a rectangle, um, with the field, uh, did have the, you know, have the, the foul lines, uh, you know, on the angles, it, it, everything looked, that part looked like the field, but I don't remember the game itself. I thought the game, the game was like a, a, a very dark red or a brown plastic. I know there was another game out like that, but I don't, uh, the one I had was not like that. It was a rectangle and it was very easy. It kind of looked, it, it was the size of like an iPad. I just know it was a lot of fun and, and enabled me. And, and I didn't think twice about it because I, I assumed that even though I had limited sight before the surgery, I assumed that I was going to still have some limited sight after and I'd be able to play this game uh, to see it well enough then once I, once I healed up enough that, uh, right. that I'd be able to play. And I, and at that point I was, and I have to tell you that, that football chairman pro I'm going to look for as soon as, <laughs> as soon as oh, we yeah, get done. I, I mean, it's I, right I up my it. alley. I mean, it's, yeah, it's you so know, fun. I love the premier league. I, uh, you know, obviously with the world cup just ending, uh, just everything, uh, everything that you mentioned and Ted Lasso hoping starting yep. soon, everything is <laughs> yep. just how uh, it sounds I awesome. mentioned Ted Lasso in my uh, game review. Oh, did you really? That <laughs> one, I, yeah. So that one I had, I had downloaded, uh, that was towards the beginning. I think it's like the 13th or 15th game I reviewed. So it's very early on. I, I okay. have 110 game reviews now. Um, and so I had, I, I went and got a guide dog from the CNI in New Jersey uh, during COVID. And I had to quarantine at a hotel for two weeks and not leave the room. And so I'm like, all right, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to download a bunch of games and I will, you know, play five or 10 games over the course of these two weeks. And I'll have a whole bunch of game reviews uh, to play um, or to, you know, to release. I played football chairman pro for the entire two weeks, (laughs) but just what I did and nothing else to do. I played literally 
the, you know, usually I'm, I'm telling you I'm two to four. I played eight hours a day just playing football chairman pro for two weeks. And I, I felt a little ashamed of myself that I was like, oh, I was going to get so much done. And I just played this <laughs> one game. Uh, but it uh, it earned itself an A plus for me because it was just, it was so captivating. I was so into it. Um, and a really smooth interface and you know, conveying a lot of uh, information, you know, lots of stats to, to cover about the players and the stadium and things like that. So, um, uh, I just I loved everything about that game. So okay, well that now that makes me a little bit nervous because if I start playing that, is that how? It's hard oh, I that. should be doing this, but ah, yes. I'll just play this for a little it, while. It, I, at least for me, it was. It was very much. Uh, I you know like you know like drugs. I kept coming back to. It. I'm like, oh, I'm going to stop now. But uh, let me just play <laughs> one more game, and that turned into a whole season. And, you know, and so it was, I just kept going. I mean, it kind of sounds like, uh, as as listeners to this podcast know, uh, huge into fantasy football and huge into uh, following all that along. And and of course, I'll I'll mention again if you want to look at that video that uh, from the all blind fantasy draft from last season, I can see you dot com slash football. I always feel obligated to mention that, <laughs> and uh, that was a lot of fun, but. But yeah, doing something uh, a little above and beyond worrying about if this guy's hurt, this real guy is hurt. You, you've got to worry about in that. I'm I'm guessing you've got to worry about injuries and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. things like that. And uh, yeah, players just trying to get old and their skills are you know are on the downside instead of you know increasing. And you know then you've fallen in love with that character because they've been on your team for five or six years. But like, okay, when do I cut them loose as opposed to hold on to them just because I've fall in love with the with the player and right so, it's, so now it's it sounds like you're talking about roy <laughs> exactly yeah so it's a it's a lot of, lot of fun we'll put some links to these uh in the show notes and have those so you can go check those out and i'm, and I'm guessing all are available in the app store as at, at, at least at this point is that that one's still available I, uh well football chairman pro is definitely there i know uh you know over time some games that i have reviewed are now no longer available, which okay. uh, you know, it, it, hopefully people have downloaded them. But uh, I think everything we've talked about today, yes, uh, it's still out there. Right. Okay. And is, is that one a free one or is that one a paid? Um, so they, you have a, I think they give you 30 year, 20 years, 30 years where you can play for free, okay. 20 seasons. Okay. Um, and then if you want to keep going, then it's two ninety nine. I think. Okay. Um, so very reasonable. I, I paid for the whole thing. I had some, you know, a hundred years, uh, Dynasty. <laughs> it's one thing when uh, you talk about sometimes you have the different, I, I know, seeing the bills from my wife and my daughter playing the games and the 99 cent power up or uh, yeah. a game in game purchase. Um, you know, when you're talking about 299 to buy a game that obviously gives you hours and hours of joy, uh, it, not really huge on the when when you think back to you were talking about Xbox and PlayStation earlier, fifty or sixty dollars a game uh, right. for those. But right. uh, so again, not huge and uh, easily doable for a lot of folks. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like, and I always give developers advice, uh, you know, particularly in the space of just like you know, with the blind community, we want to just make sure it's going to work. So, giving some seasons for free, um, and then have a you know, you know, after. 20 seasons now you have to pay well i i should know whether i like it and i know whether it's accessible and at that point if i'd like your game i should you know definitely pay you for it you know what i mean um the um i always when i'm playing a game too and reviewing it um i will not 
pay for the microtransactions because I want to see you know what they experience most of the people who are going to play from my community because most of them you know are on you know some sort of fixed income usually so I, I don't want it to be like oh it was really fun as long as I paid the you know twenty dollars of microtransactions right. you know like that's not the really experience they're going to have so I try um, not to do that um, so that I can you know I, kind of review the experience that they're going to have as they play. Whether it's an app or something else, that's always the first thing in my mind. Am I going to buy this and then not be able to use it? The recorder that I mentioned, the uh, Zoom H1N, um, it's very difficult. And I again, I have a little bit of sight, but it's very difficult to know if I've even hit the record button. So I have sure. no idea if it's running. And I know at some point in time, I'm going to record something and think, oh, this is great. I got this. And when I get right. back and I try to get it, and hey, where is it? Uh, yeah, I so, mean, I, uh, I I spent well again if because I think there's two different things between accessible and functional, right? So something can be accessible, but it's not really functional to play, right? Yes, I can get to everything if I do these really random things or, or you know struggle through to to get to what I need to do. But that's not now it's it's a struggle, and so it's not really a fun functional game to play, right? right. So um, I, I very rarely. You know, if I've played a game and I'm like, this game is just too difficult and it, it's no fun to play because the accessibility is just too rough to kind of get through, I usually don't even put those up for review. The only time I do is if it says like, you know, accessible, I'll just, you know, make some accessible chess. I'll just make something up. Um, you know, if it says accessible chess or it says blind chess, I will review that even if it's super bad because it's probably a game you're going to gravitate to in my, from my community community because it says accessible or blind, right? So I want to kind of give you the warning that, oh, I did play that. It's actually not all that accessible. Maybe you should consider, you know, steering away from that. Um, so that's the only time I will put up a game that kind of gets a bad rating um, just because I think someone might actually gravitate towards it thinking it's something worth playing. Uh, but otherwise, if I play a game and it's a, st a stinker, I don't even waste people's time by putting it up. I, I want them to go download fun, interesting games to play, not, right. uh, you know, waste a week on some game that no one's <laughs> going to download because I gave it an F. You know what I mean? Is there a good uh, accessible chess? Uh, there is. Um, I just, um, I haven't released the review yet. It's actually one I've just played here in the month of December. Uh, it's called ChessWise, like uh, chess and then W-I-S-E. Um, and it is, it's really great. I mean, it does all the, you can play either from a board standpoint, or if you know the chess annotations, you can just play from an annotation standpoint. You can, uh, play against, uh, you know, other people around the world. And it seems to have a, an active community. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really good one. I, I enjoy that. So chess wise, okay. W I S E. Okay. Yeah, that's a, another thing that I like to play. And tip for those people who might not know, but uh, on a game like that, that's a grid-based game. You'll go to your rotary menu on your phone, switch to uh, vertical navigation, which allows you to kind of move in the four primary directions, which just makes it easier to kind of move around that board and understand where you are in space than having to, you know, swipe right and then you know swipe right to get to the next row. You know, what I mean, you could just swipe okay. up and down to move to move up and down the rows. Okay, uh, that is a good tip. And again, there we go, talking about something that you might not know, but there's a great tip that uh, that folks can use, maybe not just for chess, maybe for for other oh, things. Yeah, for all things. Yeah, that's the you know the thing about the other thing about gaming, particularly for someone who's you know newly lost their sight. Like 
when you play a game, you're enjoying playing the game and you're learning these gestures without even really realizing. And they're applicable on everything on your phone. You know, the, the vertical navigation isn't just available in games. It's, you know, in other things that you might be trying to navigate around. So I think it's a great, you know, playing games is great for the blind community for just, you know, applying it to just everything else that you do uh, as well. And, and when I do these reviews, I will mention, you know, oh, don't forget about the vertical navigation and the rotary. Um, you know, the third button, uh, you know, the, uh, the developer didn't label, it just says, you know, button. Uh, but let me tell you what that button is. That button is the, uh, you know, the, the, the whatever, the sound menu. Um, so I kind of let people know so that when they sit down to play the game, they're not struggling like, oh, what is this button? It just says button, I'm confused. Uh, well, if they read my review, they would already be like, oh, okay, that's this button. I know that's the sound menu. Aaron. Aaron told me about that in the review. So now I can just keep playing and have fun and not get frustrated. So I try to, you know, tell people about the access accessibility, you know, where it's good, where it falls down, and then when where it falls down, try to give them ways to work that are, work around it if possible, uh, just to make their game experience uh, smoother than, you know, maybe what I had when I, when I first sat, sat down with that particular game. And I don't want people to abandon the game maybe too quickly because uh, they get frustrated with something where if you just knew a couple things, uh, you know, you can kind of get around, you know, that issue and still play a great game. And that is something that not just for games, but obviously a lot of apps where, or a lot of websites that you access, uh, access on your phone, when you get to that button, 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 and you have, oh, I wonder what all these buttons do. Sometimes you take the time to go through and figure it out. And other times you say, you know, never mind, I'll, uh, I'll move on to either a different app or a different site and uh, exactly. just go there. And it, it gets very frustrating at times, I know, for uh, for a lot of us. And it doesn't have to be that if if the folks who are developing the games or the apps or whatever, you know, take a minute and make sure everything is labeled uh, or an image, 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 J7543.jpg. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh, minutes. yeah. And that's right. Exactly. And some of them are you know, so lines long. and lines and lines of, you sure. know, just, um, I don't, I, I can't call it code because it's, it's yeah, just file name title. Or yeah. File name. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And I try to do that too. And like, if I have a chance, like, I'm, Oh, I'm interviewing this developer and I, I played their game and I know it says the third thing just says button. Like I'll mention that. And, hey, you know, just so you know, you know, maybe you want to label that as, you know, sound menu. And they're like, Oh really? Oh, I didn't realize it. You know, they go and do that. So hopefully by the time someone, plays the game and I'm talking about, you know, the third button that's not labeled, it actually by then has been labeled because I've maybe mentioned it to the developer and hopefully they've updated it. So I'm trying to do some of that behind the scenes stuff as I um, interview the developers as well. So, and that, that, that's the other great thing about when you're interviewing the developers, um, you know, you might just send off something like, Oh, you want, you know, why don't you fix this? Um, and they, you know, may or may not ignore you, but if you're interviewing them, they kind of are like, Oh, it's interviewing me. And, can be talking about my game. Let me just polish this thing up as best as possible, uh, you know, before this interview. Um, and, you know, I, I see a little bit more traction on things that I'm mentioning to people like, oh, maybe you want to fix this. Uh, those ones when I'm interviewing somebody, those seem to get fixed a lot quicker. <laughs> Is there a developer that uh, you really like because they all the stuff they do, or the games are great, or the accessibility is always great? Is there is there a developer or two that uh, fall into that category? Yeah, so uh, you know when when I get a question like this, the the person that I mention is a, a guy named Charlie Seligman. He created a game called Swarty Quest, which you might have heard me mention earlier in this interview. Um, it is an open world role playing game, and I started playing that game very early on on his release, like maybe a few weeks after he put it on the App Store. 
And what that game is from when he started to what it is now is drastically different. And that has a lot to do with uh, very early on, he kind of reached out to the blind community and said, hey, I want to make this accessible. Uh, you know, what would you like to see? How could I make this accessible? And he just, you know, added sound effects. He added, you know, voice tags. Uh, he created a whole um, uh, auto travel system because it's it's a it's a grid that's fifty by fifty. And even when you put on vertical vertical navigation, fifty by fifty is pretty big to try to navigate. Um, so he created a whole um, uh, auto travel to just make it easier to get from one place to the other. He created a uh, relative map legend, which kind of says, okay, you're at, you know, X20, Y15, and then it'll tell you where all the other things, you know, here's a castle at this location, uh, here at this coordinates is a cave, at this coordinates is a dragon, uh, you know, it, it, so it kind of gave you a sense, even though you can't visually see the map, you can kind of read the legend and understand, okay, this is what's near me, and then, you know, at the top of the list, uh, you know, above me and, and and at the bottom of the list below me, these are the things that are farther away from me, um, you know, with either above me or below me. Uh, so it, it kind of really made it uh, an easier to understand map than swiping through, you know, 250 grid squares trying to figure out, well, where am I and where was that thing? And, you know, now I can't remember. <laughs> you, you have this legend that uh, allows you to do it. And then you could, you know, okay, I'm here and I want to pick the cave. Let me double click on that. Let me hit auto travel. And now it'll, kind of over the course of three turns moved me over to that square so I don't have to figure out and do it myself. Um, so th those were you know just two great features, but he had many more along the way to make that game accessible and really listen to the blind community and, and try to do it. So it, that is a, another game that, uh, that you know gets a perfect score and, and it has a lot to do with you know the, the collaboration between the community and the developer and, and the developer really going out of his way. Um, to put everything in that people were asking for um, and putting in a lot of hard work to make that game you know, quite exceptional. Okay. And that game is not developed specifically for the blind community. That is no, a yeah. general game and, and yes, he has sight and it's, uh, right. he's just, he's just, he, he wanted it to work and uh, really went the extra mile to do it. Exactly. But yeah. that is outstanding. As you were talking, I'm thinking, have you ever tried to, uh, I know Twitch is huge with games. Have you ever thought about doing playing games and commenting as you go or yeah. having folks watch you do that? Do you do that? Yeah, no. So I, I don't do that. Um, you know, I, I, I've kind of decided my niche is the game reviews and the game okay. interviews. And um, I've, you know, made connections with loads of great people who do that type of work. And so I'll be like, oh, I just played this game. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, you know, this guy over here, he has a whole walkthrough series, you know, it's 12, 12 videos. It walks you through, you know, all the menus and, you know, go, go check it out. Here's a link to his playlist uh, on this particular game. So I'll just kind of shout out other people and direct people to who are already doing that work and you know, probably can do it better than I can. So. Okay. Uh, as I was asking the question, I was thinking, okay, it's probably not simple, which you, know, you said you wanted simple <laughs> and easy. And that's yeah. uh, not necessarily. It's actually easy. not that bad, but you, okay. you know, yeah, it can't be everything to everybody, you know. Like right. I, I have, I have my thing that I do, and um, you know, I'm happy to, you know, tell my my community here's a great person. He does great walkthroughs. Go go check that out. And you know, he has a whole series already that he did 
a month ago about the game I just you know put a review out for. So go check it out. Um, you know, it's a good supplement to the the uh, review that I'm doing. I'll put that right in the review just so they okay. have it and uh, you know they they can make that connection and, and hopefully go check out uh, one of those um, you know influencers or, or, or accessibility uh, content creators work. Is there anything as we wrap up? Is there anything that you'd like to talk about that I didn't ask you about? I mean, uh, so it's funny you said you know you have 1,700 people. That's great, really great over the you know, 18 months the site's been. I mean, like I sit there and be like, why is it not? Ten thousand. You know, like I feel like it's every blind person who plays a game should be checking out this group because it's just you know let you know about a whole bunch of games that you may not have known about. Um, it, it has some good you know content of you know not only the game reviews but the interviews. So you know I hope everyone just kind of was in your community. You know, give a give a join to the group, check it out. Um, besides the stuff that I'm putting out, you know, the the community will help out each other. Someone will say. I'm struggling with this in this game and, you know, you'll get 10 or 15 responses from people in the community who will kind of point you in the right direction and help you with the accessibility or just help you with the gameplay if you're not understanding. So it's a nice community, very, uh, very friendly and, you know, uh, no toxicity in, in the group. Uh, so, you know, f- you know, please just, uh, you know, come check it out. And again, it's all, uh, if you've got a game that uh, you think is great, you know, mention it to me. And if I haven't reviewed it, I'll put it on the list and get it out so we can share that with the rest of the community. And the Facebook group is, uh, do you have a facebook.com slash group slash, do you have mobile accessible games or do you not have the vanity? Uh, I do have URL? a link, which I can, I can definitely share with you. Uh, you know, if you search, um, if you search Facebook, you know, in the, the little search bar and you put mobile accessible games, uh, it'll come up. It's actually yes. called mobile accessible games. And then in parentheses for the blind, uh, is the, the actually full title. Uh, but if you just search the words mobile accessible games, it should come up. But I will also share with you the uh, social media link um, so that you can have people just click on it from the description. How about any place else folks can reach out? Uh, mobile accessible games on Twitter, you had mentioned. What about YouTube? What's your YouTube channel? Um, so my YouTube channel is just my name, Aaron Spelker. So A-A-R-O-N, S as in Sam, P as in Peter, E-L-K-E-R. Um, that's where all the uh, interviews are of the game developers and accessibility influencers. Um, you can also see articles, um, at pocket, pocketgamer.com. And again, if you search that site for my name, it'll come up with all the articles I've written for them. Um, and again, that covers kind of a gambit of things. It's some about games, some about developers, some about just, um, the benefits of gaming for the, the blind and visually impaired community. So it, it covers a wide variety of topics. Uh, and again, I feel like the more sites, uh, that pocket gamer gets on, accessibility content, the more they're going to want to cover it and uh, feature it on their site. So um, please view that so that they give you even more content. There you go. And I will put links to all of, all of that in the show notes so you can uh, get there quickly. So don't frantically try to remember, hey, I got to remember how to spell his name. Right. The links will be in the show notes and you'll get right there. Have you ever done, before I let you go, have you ever done uh, live streams on YouTube with the interviews? Are they live or are they you record them? I always record them. Uh, for two reasons one i don't know how to live stream so that goes into the easy and not easy thing okay. um, and then two um i feel like live streams you can really have like you know it's going to be thursday at eight and just i'm interviewing people from really all over the world um, okay. you know, people are in australia and germany and you know the the west coast while i'm on the east coast so i, I can't really say it's going to be a set time i just whenever i can get those people on i record it and then okay i release it every wednesday usually at 9 a.m um, and you can go out and, and find the video, but um, 
But from a recording standpoint, I can never be sure when I'm going to be able to track somebody down. Aaron, I really appreciate your time today. It's been a lot of great information. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks again to Aaron for reaching out and coming on to Blind Bosses and being the first episode of Blind Bosses. And I do have to apologize. When I first recorded that episode with Aaron, well, it wasn't that I first recorded it. When I recorded it back in December, the end of December, I expected that to come out in the next week or so. And listening to the pre-show chatter between the two of us, I told him when it was going to come out, it was going to be episode 212. And I do apologize for that, Aaron. What I was hoping to do was, once I started editing it, I thought this would be a great episode for Blind Bosses. And I thought, okay, I'm going to hold it, and I'll wait until I have the intro and I have some other episodes so I can release. The intent was to release one episode of Blind Bosses per week, along with one episode of I Can't See You. Obviously, that didn't happen. In fact, I don't have another Blind Bosses lined up, and I thought, I've got to get this episode out with everything else I've got going on between website development that I'm doing for a couple of folks and some other things, I just don't have time to record and edit and get two episodes out per week. So I thought it's time to just get this episode out before it gets too old, because there are some things that we talk about in here of of things coming out in the first quarter, reviews and things like that. And hopefully they are out by the time you're listening to this, but I didn't want to go too much further. So Aaron, I apologize. And what I've done, and I, it kind of made me nervous. As I was editing, I was thinking, boy, he doesn't have that domain name, mobileaccessiblegames.com. I bought that domain for him. And if you go to mobileaccessiblegames.com, it will take you to the Facebook page of Mobile Accessible Games. I just didn't want to see someone grab the domain and then him not have it and have to change the names of his Facebook groups and things like that, because that could happen. And as I mentioned in the interview, if Facebook shuts him down at any given moment for whatever reason, then he loses all that stuff and he's got to do a website or something else anyway. So I wish him a lot of luck. He's a really good guy. We spoke for quite a long time after we finished recording and... It was great to talk to him. It was a great idea that he has. I I just think a website would be huge with the reviews and things like that. He could get on board with having content from the different developers talking about their items that they're working on, upcoming games and things like that. I just think it would be a great idea. I will put links to the games that he mentioned in the show notes. I am an affiliate for Apple, so they may be affiliate links if I could (laughs) figure out how to do them that way. I'm not 100% sure, but there will be links to the games. I have to tell you, I've downloaded both the chess game that he talked about, ChessWise, and Football Chairman Pro. I've been on the fence for playing that game since I downloaded it because I'm afraid of what it will do to everything else that I have to do. (laughs) As you heard him say, he spent a lot of time playing that game. And he had other things to do, but it wasn't critically other things he had to do. I've got too many things on my plate to start playing that and get taken away. And that's one reason I love chess, because you can play one game in a fairly short amount of time. If you want to overthink it and go through every possible way you could play and make a move, it might take you a little longer. But if you go fairly quickly, a game could take I don't know, 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it might be, depending on how hard you're thinking. So that's something that has a pretty 
simple end time, whereas Football Chairman Pro does not. And I am so into that. So check those games out and the other ones that he's mentioned. I'll also have a link to his book. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, I've actually started reading it on Bookshare. I do appreciate Aaron coming on. What a great story he has. And he didn't sit around waiting for something to happen. He went forward with his ideas. And that's one of the things that when you lose your vision, a lot of people don't do. They sit around. They are depressed. They mope around. And sometimes it could be a year, sometimes even longer, that they just can't get it down to, hey, I can't see now. What do I do? I've got to do something. They sit around feeling sorry and, and again, being depressed. So great job on Aaron for that as well. Show notes are going to be available at com slash 220. This is episode 220 of I Can't See You. Until I get a lot more episodes, we're just going to put them in the I Can't See You realm and maybe one day that'll break out, maybe not. But again, I can't see you.com slash 220. Remember, I can't see you sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I C A N T C U dot com slash 220. Now, if you are someone who is blind or visually impaired and you own your own business, you're some sort of professional, lawyer, accountant, and in fact, if you're in Pennsylvania and an accountant, we may have uh, a need for you <laughs> in the NFB of Pennsylvania. Or if you are something else, if you're an actor and have been in some things and doing some productions, I want to hear from you because I want to get you on Blind Bosses. And again, you don't have to be in pencil, from Pennsylvania. You can be from anywhere in the world. If you've got something going on and you're getting the job done, like Aaron is getting the job done in video game reviews, I want to hear from you. Please reach out. 646-926-6350. You've got up to three minutes to leave your information, and I would love to have you on. You can also reach out via email, I can't see you podcast at gmail.com, I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on the socials, at David Benj, D-A-V-I-D-B-E-N-J, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, where you can also listen to all the episodes, like Ziggy. I really do appreciate you joining me for this episode of Blind Bosses, the first. I hope to have more. Be well, stay safe, and I'll talk to you next week.